Energy. Energy, energy, energy. <laughs> Did you just say Rochelle Obama? Michelle. Michelle. Okay, because I thought you said Rochelle Obama. I know I have a thick accent. <laughs> What's your name? Sarah. <laughs> These people are calling me Mustang. Because everyone says to me, do people call you Mustang? <laughs> and I'm like, not twice. <laughs> I use my fake name. <laughs> What's your fake name? Sally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sarah. Hey, Sally. Oh, good Lord, just get it over and done with. Not the first time you've heard that. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Oh, Hey Gays. Just so unsatisfying. Also not the first time you've heard that. <laughs> um, I haven't really done that a lot this season. God, you've spared us. Well, a lot of people like it. And even Brandy Love gave us a shout-out the other day in one of her live videos, and she was like, Oh, Hey Gays. She's brilliant i love brandy love Just i know you love brandy love love it love it to death um <laughs> it is the 10th episode season two which means season two is now finished at the end of this um which is very exciting oh thank god you have to come here <laughs> for a couple of weeks you'll still we be can here. have a break we can, we have, can have, a, have a break from a another friendship break we can take a breath We'll just have a bit of a break. Um, guys, and that actually reminds me on my very um, insane spreadsheet that I've got here. Season um, three will begin on the 1st of October. Um, so we've got some really good episodes lined up for you as well. So um, I think that you'll really enjoy that. Today, we've got a really, really special interview and I'm really happy hand over to Sarah actually to introduce this one because um this is I'm one sorry, of what? this is one of her idols. I'm sorry what? what? You're handing over control. Yeah. Just do it before I change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um why you got a fist in my face? Um this is an entertainer that I saw about 10 or 12 years ago for the first time. She's described herself as a two-spirit person. Amazingly talented, hilarious, reverent, campy, and that voice. No, guys, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I said reverent. Um, Come on, tell us who it is. It's Coco Peru. Woo, Miss Coco Peru. Yay. Amazing. Oh, my God, this was so fun interviewing her. It was. Yeah. I was just waiting to hear the voice. Yeah. Because I actually have a life and a job, so I can't always make I'm in my business schedule to do interviews like Sally does. I, I have a life and a job as well, but I've managed yes. to do it all. Um, and still Woman's complain work. about it. Woman's work is never um, done. Um, at least she's got time to complain about it. However, it was the Echo Holiday Um for anyone in Brisbane, um, we have the exhibition and there was an Echo Holiday. Worked out really well because we got to interview her on that day. So yes. I was off work and... I was off work. And Sarah was off work. So we got to actually do an interview together. Um, you don't hear me for a bit at the start um, because control problem over here. 
No, it has wasn't. to get used to it. Has to get used to sharing it. No, I think I just carried on the conversation. Wait. Or controlled it. No, I think it was Karen. Was a dictator. Mm, I mean, these are the things some people say about you. Actually, they don't. They say really nice things about me. I'm really surprised. People, I talk to you about you say that. <laughs> people have said some really nice things um, about me, um, which I'm really happy about. Thank you, guys. Great. So um, we we managed to sit down with yes. um, Coco Prue, and she is. So funny and so kind and so thoughtful and generous. Yep, and just very, very supportive of the community and very active in in the community. And I think it's such a great thing. I mean, when you think about drag queens these days, it's about clubs, it's about dancing, Mm. it's about releasing a very edited song and produced Mm. song. (laughs) It's about having that connection in a more pop culture yeah. young way. Um, Coco's not been on RuPaul because Coco's been around just as long as RuPaul mm. realistically um, and has just had to find her own way. And I think people have probably had more and more younger people through her YouTube channel, which yeah. I find it hilarious. Mm watching her shop and things like that. And when kids are out and it's kind of like <laughs> being too loud. I think the thrift store <sighs> episode is one of my favourites mm. with the dolls. But I just like why she does it. Yeah. It's like, well, I go out like this and whether it's a not a totally negative response, but at least you're putting it out there and maybe giving somebody a smile or mm. happiness and that's a positive from it and showing people in the community that you just got to go out there and do it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because we all shop. <laughs> well, you're right. We all do. That's very observant of you, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> well, I went shopping and got myself some Dior lipstick. Yeah, I saw that. It's the most expensive, <laughs> expensive purchase I've ever made for lipstick. How much was it? I would see that I would either drop that or lose it. Look, I had a gift card from Christmas at David Jones, so it's not like I was really paying for it. And what else am I going to get from David Jones? Heaps of things. But they're really expensive. So that was the expensive thing that I wanted. Yeah. To your lipstick. Wow. Good on you. On you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. No, I I would lose it in a heartbeat. Just got to throw it into my bag and be like, "Oh God, where's that deal lipstick?" Damn. Anyway, let's let's let them listen to Coco Pro. Yes. Um, once again, we'll be back for season three on October first, um, and can't wait. We're going to smash out three seasons this year. Um, thank you, everybody who's listened so far. Um, tell your friends, pass it on to three people that you know, three cool gay people that you know, and let them know about the podcast. Okay. Thanks, Harley Joel Osment. What? Pay it forward. <laughs> yeah, we'll pay it forward. <laughs> We're fine. We're amazing. I said Haley Joel Osment and not um, Kevin Spacey, for obviously, oh. obviously reasons. Don't say Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not good. Anyway, guys, enjoy the episode. Um, I think it's a really great way to finish the season. Yes. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our guests this season. Uh, we've had Jill Sabule, one of my all-time, all-time favourite people. Um, 
else have we had? Dr. Peter Catt. Mm. We've had Monique Brumby, again, one of my all-time favourite artists, um, and she's so fun. Uh, Brandy Love, who I love. Um, yeah, move on. Yeah, she's been so sweet to us, though, like just shouting out and sharing our stuff. And, and that's great. But yeah. Can you bring it down about three notches? <laughs> I don't know. I just love, I love Brandy. She's just, she was so great to talk to and she's just been friggin' gem ever since. And I just, yeah, very appreciative. Who else did we talk to? Coco Peru. Thank you, Coco. Yes. Um, I'm sure we're missing people. Terry oh, Butler. Terry Butler. Oh, my God. How could I forget that? Um, and Jackson Chili. thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I absolutely love talking to you. And, uh, T-Bar, everyone in Brisbane, um, is 6th of um, October and you can find the information about that on our page um, or the T-Bar page. So um, head head there and I'll be going to T-Bar this year to meet Jackson because I can't wait to meet Jackson. So we've got like a million friends in common. It's, it is very surprising that we haven't already met. So, yeah. Anyway, again, thank you everyone who's come on this uh, this season. I've I've had a blast this season. It's been really great. You had fun, Sarah? Not looking like you have had fun. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> Enjoy the episode, guys. Um, let us know what you think because um, I'd be really keen to, to hear what you think about Coco. Basically, my first question is, um, what's with all the garbage in the street in LA uh, in your videos? There's just garbage everywhere. <laughs> Lots of bulk garbage. What's that about? I don't understand it. I don't know. I, I think um, it's, um, it's just one of those problems. I think when people live in apartment buildings, they need to get a rid of piece of furniture. They think, well, it's... You know, put it out on the sidewalk <laughs> and the, the magical fairies will come take it away. <laughs> yeah. I can't. I, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, when I watch your videos, um, and I was showing my mum a video of yours the other day um, with, with all that garbage, and we were just like, that's amazing. Like, just everywhere you go, there's garbage everywhere. It is amazing. And I'm just, that's one of my obsessions, though, as a human being. And, you know, my parents made me go to work when I was young, so... My first job was um, sweeping the streets clean in my Bronx neighborhood. Mm, okay. And this was back in the 1970s when people weren't as educated about litter. Mm. So I'm, I, I just am hypersensitive <laughs> to disorder and litter. And even in Spain, you know, I see people, we were just there for two months and some nice-looking couples waiting in the water, but they're both smoking cigarettes. There's kids swimming right there. They were done. They, they threw their cigarette butts right into the into the water. <laughs> and I marched down, you know, I picked them out of the seawater and huffed and puffed. And I, I just, uh, like, where where's the mentality in that? I don't, I don't understand it. It's a global issue. And then people wonder why the, the oceans are filled with plastic and whatnot. And, you know, when there's no fish to eat and they, they watch the videos with, the, you know, the straws being pulled out of the turtle's nose, you know, yeah. and, and people watch that and be upset about it and then be the first ones to, I don't know. See, you got me rolling. You got me on a roll with the first question. 
Yeah, well, I like uh, it's it's a recurring theme, and it and it fascinates me in all of your videos. Um, and I guess here, like, I feel like maybe we're quite environmentally conscious. I think in Australia, yeah, I think we are, um, and especially in Queensland as well, because we've got the Great Barrier Reef, um, and that's just going to shit at the moment because of climate change and and all that kind of stuff. So we're very conscious of garbage and recycling and. And all that kind of stuff. So maybe you could you could live here and, and be free of, of street garbage. Well, I'd love to live there, but you've got so many poisonous things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we do. It's um And shark attacks. Yeah, I'm fascinated by shark attacks. It, it it's <laughs> I mean, P- Perth is the worst, I think. I remember years and years ago, um, some some man was just walking on the beach and he was only ankle deep um in water and a shark attacked him ankle deep in at a beach in Perth and he died and I just I was like, Well no more walking on the beach so yeah, just you just that's a, that's a big fear of mine. Yeah, absolutely. We're just getting right into it with all of my passions, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Just like yeah, right off the bat. Um but yeah, I something that interests me too, um, just from how you began um, I guess in a way that you're an activist, um, I would call you an activist. Is, is that what you call yourself? Uh, yes, I, I think so. I, yes, I have to say yes. I, I'm definitely, um, I was motivated to create Coco by the sense of activism. Yeah. And that kind of always has guided me with all of my shows. So all of my shows have, they don't really come across in the videos, but all of my shows have a, they're storytelling and they have an arc and they're, but there's something more than just trying to make people laugh. There's always a point of view. Yeah, I, I mean, that comes across for me in the videos. One of my favorite videos of yours is when you go to the thrift store um, mm. and you're talking, uh, I think you're talking to Michael in the car and you say that you don't think you're going to fit in, um, in at the thrift store. And you sort of say to, you know, you say sort of kids, like, you know, that's okay. Like, you know, you can kind of give people, take people out of their reality for a little bit um, if they're laughing at you or something. So I think... Yes, yeah, if, if people laugh at me while I'm out, I, I see that I've just given them a gift. Yeah. What kind of reaction do you get when you go out? Like dressed as Coco? I have to say most of the time it's quite pleasant. Mm. Um and people are surprised and then they say hello or they'll compliment me on a necklace or something to engage me and I, I chat. So the, the weird thing is it's actually had the opposite effect than I think one would imagine where people would be afraid to talk to me. I've actually engaged more yeah. when I'm dressed as Coco than if I just go out dressed as myself. Yeah, I can see how that would happen. Yeah. I would, I would yeah. come up to you in the street. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and what? Probably well, I'd probably, me. I'd want to give you a hug. I think I would be like, I'd be like, please, can we? Hug? That happens. A lot of people ask me for hugs. Yeah, I, I would. I think I would. People that know me, not just strangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I sometimes I have to, I have to say that sometimes I, I do get mistaken for a hooker. <laughs> and I just love every second of that. 
What I think kids should still got it. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really proud of that. That's a, that's a great place to be. Um, one of the I read an interview of yours a couple of years ago, and um, I think you said in it um, that you when you first started being Coco, um, you sort of said, "How do I change people's minds? Uh, those who might not have a clear picture of who gay people were." Um, do you think that you've changed people's minds about gay people? I do. Yeah. I, 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 I know it's sort of one of the um, themes of this new show that I've been doing, um, how we all affect each other. Yeah. And, you know, and as I'm wrapping up this last show that I've been doing it, as I wrap up the whole show, I mean, like a, the last monologue, I really hit that home. And, you know, my nieces and nephews, grew up with a gay uncle, and now their children have grown up with a gay uncle and his partner. And in the same way, my brother married a black woman, and these kids grew up with a black grandma. Mm. It was his second marriage. Uh, so they don't know racism, and they don't know homophobia. So I can say within my own family, there's been change. And, and then right outside of my family in the neighborhood I grew, grew up in, there was change mm. by my coming in and, and even creating Coco. Um, and people who made fun of me suddenly were coming up to me saying, congratulations, you know, that's really amazing what you've created. And so I, I can say on that small level, I've created change. But I think that that's where the change really happens is on those small levels because then again we all affect each other so it just is that ripple effect yeah i, I think that's where like real like real change within families and everything really happens is on those levels yeah i i, I would agree. And, you know i had a woman one time come see my show this was years ago and she came to see my show and um straight woman and afterwards and i talked about wanting Barbie dolls as a kid and every, you know, that disappointment every year of just opening up gifts that I was happy to get, but they weren't my passion, you yeah. know? <laughs> and, um, and this woman walked out of my show. She came up to me and she said, my son has been asking me for Barbie dolls. And, you know, this is back in the 90s. Mm. And she said, and I'm going to go out and get him every single Barbie doll he's ever asked for. Oh, wow. And I just thought, okay, I changed, I changed that kid's life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and people change my life. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's all that ripple. And that's one of the themes of the new show. But I, I do think, so yes, I think I've changed people's lives. But I know that there were people that came before me that changed my life. Who, who changed? Bush being one yeah. of them. Yeah. I love Charles Bush uh, as well. Yeah. You did conversations with Coco. You interviewed him in that, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had become friends in New York City. But he, but he was the um, first sort of person in drag that I saw that it inspired me. It got me thinking, like, this is something I, I want to do. And I had been so shamed in college to try and butch up, to see a man write his own show 
and portray the female lead. This is actually in my new show as well. Um, I, that just blew my mind. And then his sidekick was his friend Julie Halston, who had a very thick New York accent. And I had also been shamed to, in college to, to lose my Bronx accent. And I have to say, the teachers were probably right. At that time, if you were going to make it being an actor, you, you had to be able to play many different roles. Mm. And I wasn't capable of doing that. Um, but anyway, so sitting there watching this uh, effeminate man and this woman with a thick New York accent getting laughs made me realize there's something here for me. And they changed my life. And one of the best reviews I ever got was, Coco Peru is the love child of Charles Bush and Julie Halston. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> that I, I'd have that on my, my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my when I discovered him, it was a Psycho Beach Party, um, and friends and I watched watched that movie, and I I just fell in love with him. I just could not believe what I was seeing. Um, and but you've never seen him live. Never, I never have seen him live. I, people don't tend that's, to get that's to, the magic. Yeah, people don't tend to get to Australia like that sometimes. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and thank God for YouTube because that's that's how I sort of explore my passions um, as such. Um, just just watching that kind of stuff on YouTube. But Psycho Beach Party for me was was life changing because I just I couldn't I honestly couldn't believe what I was seeing because I guess I was my upbringing was fairly conservative as well, and that just kind of opened doors for me. Um, um, I first saw you about 12 or 13 years ago when I saw a comedy special on Logo and um, I just thought it was amazing and one of the parts that I found so inspirational and a little bit emotional, it, it made me cry a little, was hearing your origin story about why you decided to step up and be Coco and be present and out and proud. So I was wondering if you'd share that with our listeners. Well, I grew up in the Bronx, and it was it was a pleasant neighborhood, um, but it was uh, in the seventies. So, being I was the I was the fag in the neighborhood. So every day, uh, you know, going off to school was literally torture, and I was always trying to navigate ways to get to school where I wouldn't run into a group of boys that were gonna, you know pick on me and call me names. So, I, you know, I, I lived for snow days when I wouldn't have to, I just hated school so much and I lost my education because of that because I was just constantly in this state of fear. Mm. And it's, it's um, you know, it's one of the things I really, I can't say I resented. Well, I can say it. I resent that that was, that was stolen from me. And that my safety, or my that my the best years of your life. I'm not saying it was all bad. I, I had good moments, but there was always that fear. Yeah. And the fear of not being loved by my own family. And when I finally did come out, um, and my family did love me, and then people in my neighborhood kind of didn't care anymore about whether or not I was gay. I just realized what a waste of time. What a waste of my childhood and all that energy, mental energy. I remember when I went, um, I had a boyfriend. And I had a boyfriend late, considering that kids, you know, nowadays. Um, like I went to visit old. in Peru. 
Yeah, 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're coming out even younger than that. Yes, it's I amazing. know. I've seen drag queens, like 10-year-old drag queens recently. Yeah, and I, trans kids. Yeah, I absolutely yeah, love already it. Already knowing and, and feeling okay to just speak that to their parents. It's amazing. Yeah. But anyway, I, 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 I met a um, drag queen in Peru because my boyfriend at the time was Peruvian, and he was very famous in um, this drag queen in Peru, and I just was so fascinated that in this homophobic country, I was so Catholic, we had to knock on a little door to get in the gay bar, mm. and they'd open the little window to see if you looked gay before <laughs> they'd let you in. I said, this drag queen had crossed over into mainstream society there. I just found, and I thought there's something about owning 100% of who you are and stepping over that edge yeah. that human beings are wired in their brains to respect. They respect courage. Yeah. So I came home from Peru and started thinking about that. And then at that, around the same time, I saw Charles Bush, and I read a book about Native American two-spirited people. And when I read that book, I knew that that's what I was, that I wasn't male, I wasn't female, I was both. Mm. I was this wonderful blend of both, and I could be both. And, um, and I one day just said it out loud, I'm a drag queen, and... and Everything just, I had this vision. And people like, you're throwing away your theater career. No one wants to listen to a drag queen talk. But I just knew, I had no doubts that this was what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And at the same time in the 90s, uh, well, late 80s, early 90s, AIDS was, you know, destroying New York and, and friends and just another level of fear there. Mm. And um, I wanted to be an activist, but I didn't have the, um, I wasn't mature enough to take on the rage that I saw yeah. in the aid activism, uh, but I still wanted to do something. And so when I decided to create Coco, I knew that um, by telling my story and by presenting as a female, but then talking about being a boy, it would confuse people. And then they would realize, oh, it's not about what a person's wearing or how they're presenting to the world. It's about their story. Mm. And can I relate to the story? And if I can relate to a person's story who's a man dressed as a woman, then their mind would be open somehow. Yeah. So that's sort of how it all came about. Um, even and yeah. it was a trip. Yeah, I, I, God, life-changing trips. I had one of them in Canada. And my parents came to my first show, and they sat right in the front because they were afraid people were going to throw tomatoes at me. <laughs> did anyone, Being openly gay. <laughs> did anyone throw anything? Or? What? Did anyone throw anything at you? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, it was just my parents couldn't imagine a world where you could talk about being openly gay on a stage. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they grew up in a time where that was unheard of. Yeah, I know even, um, you know, with RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff at the moment, drag is becoming mainstream. Um, even my mother um, watches RuPaul's Drag Race now. Like, how do you feel about drag being so respected worldwide? inevitable um, it was actually part of my vision that 
I would, early on, I thought, I, I, Coco's going to be a, a character that can relate to anyone. Mm. Like people are just going to relate to Coco. Um, and my mom, I remember early, when she, I told her that my idea, she said, no, you're going to talk about being gay? No one want, wants to hear that. Yeah. And she wasn't being uh, homophobic. She just, like I said, that was the world back then. And I said, no, Mom, you know, I grew up watching all this comedies about straight people, and I could laugh and relate to it. Mm. That's what people are going to do with me. They're going to relate to me because I'm, t I'm, I'm just being real with them. And so I, I did have that vision that people would find drag appealing because, because it is um, self-expression and it is honest and it takes courage. Mm. Uh, so I, but, but still, when I go to RuPaul's Drag Con or I see, you know, Bianca Del Rio's shows selling out to 3,000 seat theaters, yeah. I'm in awe that it has become what it's become. So on one side of the coin, I'm not surprised, and on the other side, I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted at how big drag has become. Yeah, it's like it's sought after now. Like we've just recently had um, the winners, well, the, I guess the forerunner up of season 10 um, come out and, and perform in Australia, and they're sold-out shows. Like, you know, I, I couldn't have got a ticket if I wanted to, Um because it's sold out in minutes, and it's it's crazy. Like it's just drag yeah. fever. Yeah, that's the, that's the power of um, that's the power of television, and that's what's amazing to me is the power of television. And um, there's a good, there's something good about that, and then there's the, the flip side of that as well, which is, um, and with. I think most of the queens that I know on that show that are friends of mine and are very talented. But there are queens who who get thrust into a spotlight who have haven't been working on a craft. I mean, maybe their craft is they can do great makeup, but uh, and they look beautiful and they're a little bit sassy. But that's not a show. Yeah. And um, and that that's always been the little. Uh, the little, if I had a problem with it all, that's my problem, is that you know, the people that I admired growing up were people like B. Arthur and, and, and people who worked for years in the theater and on their craft, and that's why they were so brilliant. And I tried to study them, and, and then I went to theater school, and I did shows, and I was working in cabaret clubs, perfecting my craft for years and years and years and years. And, um, you know, but then you'll, you'll see a queen get up and lip sync one song and the audience is so crazy. I think, really? <laughs> yeah. It's not even their voice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like this, you know, she's in a death drop, big deal. Yeah, exactly. But they just, you know, so that's, that's the thing. I think sometimes young kids, they don't, it's, it's the fact that you're a celebrity and on TV that's important and getting that selfie with the person rather than, did I really just see something quality that was worth all that money? And I think that's how, like, even on her season, that's why Bianca stood out so much, I think. Like, for me, like, she was, you know, she gave advice. Um, she had the talent. Like, she could back everything up. Um, and even someone like Alaska, I think, you know, is quite talented as well. Okay. 
and those are, you know, those are people that I've worked with. Yeah. So I did cruises with Bianca, and, you know, and she, and at first I was a little like, I, because I knew she was an insult comic, I thought, oh dear. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we had the best time together, and, and she, and she's so, um, you know, so serious about her, I mean, she's just kind, and, and, and the same thing with Alaska. I love working with her, and she is super, super talented. Yeah. And, um, and yes, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that they have the careers that they have. They deserve it. And even Trixie, I, uh, you know, I follow on. Trixie's great. Yeah, and the talent, like the and music, I, and, yeah, just blows my yeah, mind. and I remember Trixie, um, when I first met Trixie, and she was, she was so sweet, and she said, I cannot believe that I'm meeting you because you had such an impact on my life that the fact that I'm now meeting you and uh, is you know amazing and I, I just thought that was so sweet of her to say because here she was the bigger celebrity at that point because of RuPaul's Drag Race but yeah. she paid her respects to me which I thought was lovely and then she sat me down and she was asking me for advice about writing a show and I gave her advice and she took that advice and she wrote a show and it's Apparently, I haven't been able to see it yet, but apparently she does a great, great show. So, it's like, I'm, I'm really proud of them when they succeed like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm proud that they get the audiences and all of that. I, I just can't believe how much it's taken off. Like, I feel like some of them now are even bigger than RuPaul um, in in their own right. Like, I, it's it's crazy to me. Um, it's interesting when well, you... They're, they're just, and they're also more accessible than RuPaul. You know, they're out there yes. doing more. But she's the queen mother, you know. Yeah, she's kind of um, she's kind of earned that throne, hasn't she, in a way? Yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting um, that when we're talking about sort of going back to television, um, yeah. you, you know, now that we're, we're showing more stuff on television, like LGBT stuff... Um, you know, I, I think that's a that's a really great way that that we're heading in a way. Like, because um, I guess, I, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm just gonna yeah. Do you want to go, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Coco. Just ignore her. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but another amazing thing that I've. Um, learnt about you more recently is obviously through your YouTube videos and uh, you going out and going to Kmart and things like that. Um, what made you move in that direction and, and I guess become a little bit modern and, and getting into that kind of social media area? I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, I, people started sending me a photo of a wig that Target was selling that looked very much like um, the wig that I wear. So my manager said, let's make a little video of you going looking for that wig. We'll go to Target. We'll get him. He got his, his friend Garrett Watts, who's now a YouTube celebrity himself, to film it. And we went off to Target. We filmed this silly video. And my fans went crazy for it. And, and, and then it got a little bit more circulation than I expected. So we thought, oh, let's do it again. So Michael said, well, what should we go out 
looking for this time? And I said, how about Celestial Seasonings Tension Tiramisu? Because that was always a running gag in my shows. And I just think yeah. those words all laced together just sound funny. <laughs> um, you're, you're right. <laughs> so we went looking for the Tension Tiramisu, which I do drink. And um, we posted that video. And I was at my mom's for the holiday in Florida. And I looked at the number. And I said, wait, something has happened. This is way too big. This, this number is climbing too fast. And what had happened was um, this young YouTuber had posted it. And his millions of fans went crazy for it. And that's really what changed it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so then we just kept making stupid videos. And I'm always a little embarrassed, honestly, by the videos because I work so hard to write these theatrical <laughs> shows that have a point of view. <laughs> and people come up to me and I and I love you. And I say, oh, really? Which shows have you seen? They're like, no, I just love you from your videos. And I'm always like, oh, God. You are pretty lovable from the videos. I, I love how you call out other people and about noise and children <laughs> and things like that. I mean, it is very funny. But I have... Um, yeah, it's all very funny for the audience watching. It's not so funny for my husband who has to put up with it for 24-7. <laughs> I mean, I... There's just... And I get... I actually get a little depressed, depressed about it. I've been going through a little bit of a heaviness rate, rate at this moment because I just feel like... It just seems like no matter where I am in the world... I just can't seem to relax anymore because I always feel assaulted by bad behavior. <laughs> and I've actually thought, like, do I need pills to bring me... Like, it's, it's, it's me. It's got to be me because I'm the only... Like, everyone else seems relaxed. But, you know, <laughs> I'm looking at the plastic on the beach. And walking, we will sit on the beach and say, and it was like... You know, the Mediterranean, it's, it's, it's polluted. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's full of plastic like every other body of water, and uh, you know, so a piece of plastic floats up, and these people are walk by picking up rocks. Oh, look at this paper with the children. I'm like, pick up the plastic. When I was little, <laughs> we would go to the beach, my mother always said, leave the beach better than you found it. Yeah, and if yeah. there was a piece of garbage, my mother would say, pick up that piece of garbage, and I, if I said no, I got a slap on the side of the head. <laughs> my mother said, I don't care that it's not yours. Pick it up. You have to leave the beach better than you found it. God, that, that's so, right. um, yeah. I guess I'm just, you know, I'm just cranky and, uh, and, and I, I just feel, uh, it's, so it is funny. I mean, you know, part of, part of the wonderful thing about doing my live shows is that I, I bitch and complain about things in those shows and to hear the audience laugh or, you know, yell, yes, and all that stuff, it's, it's a relief because I feel like, oh my God, there's other people that think like me. Yeah. You know, I'm not the only one who, who suffers some of this stuff, <laughs> yes. bad behavior. <laughs> no, Sarah is suffering right along with you. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you two are peas in a pod in that regard. Um, do you ever bring, will you bring your new show to Australia? I would love to if, I, if I'm ever invited. I, I, I have, I've been to Australia before. And the audiences were terrific. And the last time I was there, I did a, a, a LGBT festival in Adelaide. Mm. And, um, and it, it went great. And I was in a very, I was, the main stage was in a tent. Wow. 
and it, uh, it was still spring there, but it was very, very warm. Uh-huh. And there was there was no air conditioning inside this tent that sat in the sun all day. Oh, that should be and illegal. I never, I never sweat so much in my life. <laughs> my makeup was running off my face. And I would go back to the hotel room and strip off all my clothes just to look in the mirror because I was so thin. I had lost all my water weight. <laughs> <laughs> so let me look at this well at last, you know? Yeah. Oh, welcome and, to Australia. Uh, <laughs> And that's what they told me. I said, you know, you could buy one of those little, um, those, those pump air conditioners with the tube, just pump cold air into here. And they kind of laughed at me and said, this isn't even that warm. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm thinking spring in Adelaide, no, it wouldn't have been that hot. I mean, from our standards, in Brisbane, we get up to about 42 in summer with humidity of about 98%. Yeah. It's, yeah, oh, God. Yeah, you just sort yeah, of. No hot. Yeah, you just move around. And the other thing I remember about Adelaide was they had given us this dressing room in these trailers that had no lights, nothing. And I, so I, anyway, so I, I, um, I got, I forget where I got ready after I got ready to have to, but anyway, on the way home, the first night after my show, I said, well, I'm not going to take off my makeup here because it's really, there's no sink, there's nothing to really, I'll just get, take it off when I walk back to the hotel. And, they said to me, you can't walk back to your hotel like that. I said, why not? They said, you'll get stabbed. <laughs> and I kind of laughed. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, whatever. And they said, no, we're serious. At where you are, your hotel, during the day it's college and it's very pleasant, but at night it's full of drunks and yeah. bar, bars. So they got, like, the biggest dike they could find. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds like Brisbane. Well, you, you know, I, I think the Australians have a little bit of a reputation for drinking, don't you? I think that we do. Like, uh, yeah, like I, I think, I, I don't think we just have one. I think we have ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> ten to your one. And still standing, usually, like. <laughs> yes, completely. Yeah. People so. were walking. Nobody was laying on the ground. No, no, just just as functional yeah. as we were without alcohol. So yeah. just just in a better mood. <laughs> but my point, but the point I wanted to make is, is that my uh, the audience that came to see me in Adelaide, I think they came expecting one kind of a show, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a drag show or whatever, and they realized, oh my God, this is so, this is this really touched me. This this was theater. This I you know, and you could feel the whole audience. I could feel them getting closer and closer to me, like listening and, and really engaged. The mm-hmm. energy was wonderful. And um, I got wonderful feedback from the people. So I would love to come back to Australia. Oh, I, well, you most definitely should. Yeah, I, I think you would find a lot of love here, to be honest. I just, yeah, I'll um, have to audition for RuPaul's Drag Race, get my ass on that. Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe I'll get invited to Australia. Yeah, make it make it to the uh, final four, and you'll be here in no oh, time. Could you imagine? <laughs> I wouldn't make it past the first round. <laughs> I'd probably be the one to be like. 
like, send me home. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's tough, isn't it? Like, I, I don't even... Yes, no. Yeah. Uh, first I... of all, competition is tough because it's a whole mental thing. Yeah. And then, and then to be, you know, hoarded off to, you know, you're in drag all day and then you've got this challenge and you're, I just, and it's day after day after day. I can't imagine. No, I, I can't either. And then, like, just all the all the bitching and, and the, like, I don't know. It, I love it from a, from a viewer's perspective, but I, I couldn't be in it at all. No, me either. It, I would shut down. I, yeah, I, I'd just cry and go home like Adore did. I'd yeah. be like, no, I'm out, guys, sorry. Like, someone else can take my place. I just wanted to ask you, from Australia at the moment, and I guess from the world, um, the US seems very tense. Um, and I'm just wondering what, what it's like being LGBT in the US right now. Well, I live in Los Angeles. Yeah, so... You know, it's pretty <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. You know, and I was from New York City before that. But but it's, it is part of our conversation constantly. Uh, with Whenever I see friends, it, the politics come up and see sort of, oh, my God, what's happening, mm. you know? And so it is there. And, and I remember right after, um, I remember right after, hold on, my husband interrupts me, I'm being interviewed <laughs> from Australia. <laughs> my husband says hello to Australia. Hello. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, I do remember right after Trump won, I was in a store here in Los Angeles, Trader Joe's, which <laughs> hires the most wonderful, it's a grocery store, I hires the most wonderful, young, fun kids with tattoos and, you know, blue hair. And it's, I love going in there yeah. because they just make you, and they engage you and they talk to you. I love it. Yeah. And um, I also pack my own bags because I can't stand people who sit, stand there and let the cash register person pack their bags. That makes me crazy. So they like me because I pack my own bags. Anyway, um, I'm standing there and I had a purse. And it, it is a man's purse that I bought in Spain. But it, but here in America, it looks like a woman's purse. Right? <laughs> I've got that draped over my arm. Yep. And this woman looks at me. She gives me this disgusting, nasty look up and down. And she says, wow and then walks away and I what? thought did she just did she just do that because I've had that stuff happen in other states when I've had to travel yeah. but here in Los Angeles I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that so I went up to the kid that I know that works here that's gay with he's got pink hair or he did at that time <laughs> because a fucking helicopter over my goddamn house can you hear that <laughs> I, we can hear it yeah yeah, wow. we're looking for some celebrity. Anyway, I am, um, because that's important news that you all need to know. It's some fucking celebrity drove to Starbucks. Yeah. Anyway, um, when, when Britney Spears was going off the deep end, oh my God. Oh. The helicopter's hovering over our, and we, she doesn't even live near us, but they would hover over our area ready to go. When, oh when she was spotted. It was, isn't that insane? That's Disgusting. insanely awful. That poor woman. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so my point was, Trader Joe's, the kid with the 
uh, Pam Kerr, when I went to him, I told him what happened with this woman saying, wow, he said to me, you cannot believe how people feel entitled to say things now to us. Yeah. Ever since he won. And, you know, people will say that's not true or we're making that up. But when you experience it, it it's, it's very true. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, this is a private story, but I'll share it with you because it's in Australia. But my, <laughs> I, have my, I mentioned that my sister-in-law is a black woman and, and her daughter uh, is, is a, a black woman. She's, well, she's younger than me, but maybe around the same age. But anyway, she was staying with my brother and his wife for a few months because she was in transition. She was moving to another state. And to stay out of their hair, you know, she would go down to the clubhouse because they lived in Wisconsin. And she was sitting there and someone called the police on her. Um, she was a black woman. And so police come. My brother gets come down to explain this is my stepdaughter and she has every right to be here and why would you call the police? Why didn't you just come up to her and ask her who is she visiting? Yeah. And maybe you would have had a nice conversation with her because she's a lovely person. Anyway, police leave. It happened again like two weeks later. Someone else called the police on my niece because she's a black woman. Wow. So it's just a little creepy. I can't can't even understand. You start hearing stories like this and you think, okay, and more and more of them, and you think, well, this isn't just a coincidence. No, I can't believe that that... I can't, I can't even believe that. Um, that's very upsetting. But you are seeing it a lot more recently. I mean, people go into pools, people resting in college community rooms. Um, yeah, we definitely see those things, and that's why we ask the question, because it's this, uh, I guess, view we're getting of the United States under a Trump presidency, and it seems a little scary for us, especially since we're... Um, quite close to Asia and North Korea as well. So we definitely like yeah. to um, be aware of those things. So, But it's very interesting with those type of issues. It, it is very interesting. And my, and my husband's from Spain, so that's where we go every summer. And over there, that's a conversation people are even having in Spain, like what's happening in the United States? And, and then they all, every single one of the people that talk to us about that issue, they would all say, we're scared. Yeah. I think I would say to you that I feel scared about what's happening there at the moment because it's kind of, there's a kind of being reflected, I guess, a little bit here as well. We recently had a, the country was asked to do a survey um, to answer yes or no if they thought that gay people could get married. Um, and so the whole country were forced to do this survey. Um, and they said, everyone said yes in the end, which we knew would be the answer. But for me, you know, I have a six year old daughter and I think, what, what are these, what are they seeing? Like these kids seeing that, you know, it's not just a yes or it's not just a tick of the box. It's like, no, we'll have to ask the whole country their opinion on the private lives of, of a really large group of people. So yeah. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Very scary, I think. But yeah. I I'm hoping my friend said this the other night too. It's the last gasp of that sort of stuff that's always been here. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um it's just being brought into the light a little bit more. 
So that woman that said wow to me, she probably was always a big ugly homophobe, but yeah. now she just feels entitled. But she's always been here. Yeah, exactly. She's she's just got a yeah. microphone now. She's um, just got a microphone. She feels entitled to be able to say it out loud. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. That's unbelievable. I'm conscious that we've kept you for 45 minutes now. Um, I could talk to you for the rest of our day. It's only uh, 8.46 in the morning here, but um, we might let you go. Um, thank you so much. On that note, can we end it on a happier note? Yes, <laughs> you're right, actually. Racism and homophobia. <laughs> we've got something to celebrate. <laughs> complaints about everything. You can't leave me hanging on, like, you know. No. Trumpism and <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, and spiders and drop bears and all this kind of stuff that we've got in the wilderness out here. Um, that would be a really funny video, actually, if you came to Australia and you went out went out bush and um, just, just... Well, I did make a video, I think, over there in Australia. The last time, I, I think I did make a video. I can't remember, but the birds were so fucking loud, I just couldn't <laughs> compete. Try 6 a.m., you have some very loud birds there in Australia. I remember when I lived, um, I lived in West End, um, which is just a nice little alternative suburb here, and there was a bird every morning at 5 a.m. that used to sit on the, the windowsill of my bedroom and, and just scream every morning, and I, I couldn't understand why it, it thought that that was a great place to do that. Um, but that's Australia, really. Like, just really ignorant, yeah. ignorant wildlife, I think. Just <laughs> yeah. We had some very rude raccoons in our backyard the other night. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> well, they, they're the screaming kind of... their heads off. I didn't realize the baby screamed, could scream so loud. Like, I, thought, I thought something terrible was happening. I thought it was a person, but it was a baby raccoon screaming for its mother. They go into yeah. the bins and stuff too, don't they? Oh, yeah, they get into everything. They're yeah. super cute, but I don't, I don't need them hanging around here. No, I just... But anyway, um, let me just say this, you know, just to end it on a good note. When when um, I had asked my mother, my mother's turning 92 next month, but oh. when she, I think this is when she was turning 89, I said to her, you know, happy birthday and all that, and I said to her, does she have any thoughts about getting older and whatever, and she... And she said something like um, uh, that sometimes, you know, life sucks, and then it doesn't, and then it does, and then it doesn't. <laughs> the point is, honey, when you get to be my age, you just hope and pray you've had more days that didn't suck than did. So there's some Bronx wisdom for you kids, yeah, and I hope you have more days that didn't suck than did. That's, I love that's that. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Thank you again so much for coming on. Um, I, it's It's been an absolute honour yes. for us. Like we'd, We'll be fist pumping the air after this, um, after speaking with you. Um, but, yeah, have a great night. Thank you, sweethearts, and I appreciate your support and that you keep, you know, you keep me out there and, and, and somewhat validate me and make me feel <laughs> like I still have a, a voice. So thank you. I think your voice is very loud, by the way, and I think a lot of people are listening from what I can tell. So um, thank you That's for great. everything that you do. Thank you, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. All right. See Have you. Have a lovely day. Bye. Bye, Bye girls.
Hey guys, um, I still love that interview. I do too. Yeah, I um, I particularly love that the bit that I always think about since we've interviewed her was um, the bit where she's been mistaken as a hooker. Yeah. Um, when she's out, God, that made me laugh. <laughs> so funny. Um, well, now we are officially at the end of season two. Um, I know that I've said it before, but we're back on October 1st. We're just going to have a couple of weeks off. Um, I need it. <laughs> I work around the clock, guys. So oh, God. I'm fine. Um, once again, I've just shouted out to everyone, but thank you everyone who's come on the season this season. Um, I am so appreciative, uh, of the time that you've given, um, you're all amazing and, um, I hope to have you back on in future seasons. Um, yeah, that's it. Pass it on guys. Pass it on to three cool gays that, you know, let them know about the podcast. They don't need to be gay. No, they don't need to be gay. They can be straight. Stop being a heterophobe. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just keep putting labels on everybody. Mm. Put an asshole label on you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> See you next season, guys.